Welcome back to the AP World History Podcast. We're going to be taking a look at the 15th century now, uh, which is chapter 12 in the Strayer book, and this is going to wrap up unit 3 for us. Uh, it, it goes, uh, unit 3 is 600 to 1450, and this is going to bring us through 1450, actually go a little bit beyond it, uh, but... Uh, so it's going to set up a little bit of, uh, unit four when we get there, but, uh, this is going to be a kind of nice little way to end everything. And we're going to be kind of hitting all the areas of the world here. Uh, we're going to start with looking at, uh, something they consider as the, uh, continuities in humanity. And so, uh, we're going to be looking at some kind of, uh, the fringe civilizations or fringe groups. Uh, then we're going to be looking at the civilizations of the 15th century with a comparison between China and Europe. Uh, kind of uh, reflecting on that comparison that we saw earlier of Rome and China uh, in Unit 2. And then we're going to look at the Islamic world, and then we're going to wrap up with the Americas. So uh, we're going to be diving into four four different sessions on this podcast. Um, to start with, uh, looking at the shapes of human continuities, uh, we're going to look at the Paleolithic persistence, uh, which is uh, really talking about kind of Australia, North America, and any of the other small areas where you see um, a lack of agricultural uh, lifestyle here. So Australia is really the main one uh, that we're going to focus on. It's kind of the more uh, famous one where you have the uh, Australian Aborigines living there. Um, they adopt some technology uh, and improve technology uh, as as they go through time, but uh, they don't adapt agriculture anyway. Actually, they abandoned it from uh, – no, they didn't have it originally, but um, – sorry – but uh, they, they adopt tech, they use fire, they use fires to destroy and clear brush so that uh, plants that, they, that thrive with the fire, um, so that they, uh, they grow better. Uh, and they create long trade networks within Australia, but they don't do much beyond it. Um, then in North America, you got the Chinooka, uh, Tulalip, and Skagit, uh, Indian tribes. And they had very complex uh, societies, but still focused around gathering. Uh, and that's because they had plenty of food um, uh, in their region, and that allowed them to uh, develop villages and specialized jobs. But uh, they don't go to farming. Uh, they can still do everything from, um, from just gathering. But then uh, these... Uh, Paleolithic societies are pretty much gone when we when we're talking about today. Uh, they, with with the rapid development that we'll see after um, after the Industrial Revolution, uh, we really push into any areas that they're in and, and entice most of those people to kind of join the agricultural world. So um, this is kind of like the, one of the last eras that we're going to see where you actually see these people or where we look at them like this. Um, then, um, in the agricultural village societies, uh, we see the Igbo and the Iroquois here. So we're getting a little bit of uh, West Africa and North America again. And so, um, <coughs> in in these ones that we're looking at, though, we can see them also in the Amazon and Southeast Asia. And there's just no central state. Um, there's no overpowering government. And so, with that, there's less inequality because people are sharing in in the burdens. And so the Igbo are located around the East Niger River. Uh, they refused to have any kings and um, made uh, focused on kinship and making people equal. Uh, they did um, give rankings to the wealthy, um, but that didn't give them necessarily uh, make them more powerful in the society or, or allow them to kind of uh, push other people down. Um, as well as women were mediators, so you have them playing a higher role in society. 
and uh, they, even though they don't have a strong central government to help negotiate trades or anything like that, they, they do have enough stability to, to participate in long-distance trading. Um, primarily, it would be uh, kind of jumping in or, or figuring out a way to jump in on the, um, the gold-salt trade since they're in West Africa there. And then the Iroquois, they're in uh, North America, kind of by uh, New York, and um, they happened around uh, 1300 or so. And uh, women were the ones that grew crops while men fought in wars. And so you have kind of a matrilineal system instead of a patriarchal society or system or patrilineal system. Um, so um, descendant uh, or importance of birth goes through the mother, not through the father. And uh, women selected the leaders, uh, although the leaders were primarily men. Um, the men fought in wars, like I said earlier, and uh, this led to um, a confederation of five nations being established. So a very decentralized form of government where you get these uh, five different nations known as the Mohawk, the Oneida, the Onondaga, um, the Kuayaga, and the Seneca. Um, they decided not to attack each other and instead raid other people. Um, and so you get this thing known as the Great Law of Peace. Uh, but uh, the connections were weak, and so this, this could disintegrate at any time. Uh, but the Confederation was there to settle disputes between the, the different tribes there and um, was there to limit the, the internal fighting, which is why you get that, um, the, it being known as the Great Law of Peace. And um, also helped with interactions of other tribes outside of the Confederation. Uh, the last area we'll look at here uh, is the pastoral uh, societies. And we have two that we'll look at here. Central Asia, we're going to get our last look at, um, at a uh, nomadic empire, a pastoral nomadic empire. And uh, the other one will be West Africa. So uh, the last major uh, empire uh, to come out of the Central Asia and the steppes is... Uh, led by Timurlane, or Timur, uh, also known as Tamerlane, um, and he was a Turkic nomad. Uh, they came out of Ube Uzbekistan, and they wreaked havoc for the short time that uh, Timur was allowed to lead them. Uh, he, um, when he died, his empire fell apart. But they they wreaked havoc on parts of Russia, Persia, and India, and um, they they are the last great empire that comes from there we're not going to see any more nomadic groups coming out of central asia really causing or creating havoc at this point the agricultural peoples um are too advanced in technology uh they are too numerous to to really be challenged and they've pushed in and started to encroach more and more on those lands of the pastoralists and then in west africa uh you got the fulby tribe and um they're located on the upper senegal river and they live in small communities um, they worked more in hand with the agricultural societies instead of causing uh, problems and, and uh, trying to raid and stuff like uh, Timur did. Uh, they, they will go and pay for some agricultural land uh, to graze on, and uh, they will adopt Islam and uh, kind of spread it to where they go to. So um, these are kind of the really fringe societies that we see going on. Uh, they're smaller. Um, they're not ones that you're necessarily going to see a lot on on any tests or anything like that, but they're good things to know about what's going on in the world. The ones that I would I would suggest that you probably know or know a little bit more about is Australia because we've talked about them a couple of times. We talked about them in uh, chapter or unit one, and then uh, also Timur 
and uh, kind of the last of the the great uh, pastoral incursions uh, from Central Asia. Those would be the two ones that, if if you're going to remember, a couple of these would be the ones I'd say that you should probably focus on. Um, so that's the first part here in that looking at the continuities and the really how we've continued since um, kind of as a human species with the Paleolithic, the, the small agricultural societies, and the pastoral communities.